How y'all are? I'm on. I'm on. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to Daniel, the second chapter. I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Give y'all a chance to find Daniel. Most everybody has to go to the thumb index on that one. <laughs> we don't use it very much. Verse 31 and chapter 2. My king, as you were watching, a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. Now, Daniel is explaining a vision to the king that the king has had. None of the king's soothsayers, if you will, or intelligent people can explain that to him. So uh, he's uh, found this person, <laughs> this Daniel, who uh, is willing to come and interpret the dream. Verse 32 says, The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its stomach and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron and its feet were excuse me, partly iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a, excuse me, without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the fired clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threatening threshing floors. The wind carried them away, and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the, the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Your majesty, you are king of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live or wild animals or birds of the air, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything, and like iron, that smashes. It will crush, the, crush and smash all the others. You saw the feet and toes, partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw the iron mixed with clay and that the toes of the feet were part iron and part fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be, a, uh, be strong and part will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay. The peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together 
just as the iron does not mix with the fired clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, and this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God was told the king, the great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is certain. May we pray. Father, we do, God, humble ourselves before your throne in prayer this evening as your congregation, God, as your individuals. And uh, we, Father, confess to you that there's so much about you and your word and the interpretation. God, it's difficult sometimes for us. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds that we could understand better what you're telling us in your word about our relationship with one another and our relationship with you. God, uh, help us to be wise and to follow you and your leadership in all that we do, Lord, we uh, we know that we're we're weak, and uh, as human beings, uh, we're God. Uh, we have little strength to fulfill your plan for us without you, God. And we need you. We pray that you would just touch our hearts and our lives, that you would lead us, God, the way that you would have us to go. And, uh, Lord, we'll give you the glory for all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, <laughs> the king was having a problem with this dream, uh, and he was calling for all of his uh, wise men, his soothsayers, if you will, uh, to tell him uh, what in the world was going on with this dream. Uh the, uh, the dream and uh, its interpretation and the ultimate victory that it told about was what he wanted to know. A statue with a golden head that represented the Babylonian Empire. That's what he saw with a chest uh, and arms of silver uh, that represented the, the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, we have to know a little bit about history to follow this. Uh, and that, that Medo-Persian Empire followed the Babylonian Empire. Uh, it had stomach and thighs like bronze, representing the Greek Empire. Now, imagine, if you will, what what Daniel was seeing. He was seeing this uh, this very unusual statue, but uh, representing so many of the the nations in the world at the time who were strong empires, uh, and the, the Roman Empire had conquered the Greeks. Uh, the feet and toes of iron and the fire clay representing a, a divided kingdom with mixed people uh, that uh, they're not going to hold together. Uh, we see from the, the, what fell on the iron and the clay, they, they were scattered. And a stone, excuse me, uh, that struck the feet of the statue shattering all the kingdoms of the world, subsequently filling the whole world, becoming 
the enduring kingdom of God. Now, listen, we live in a world today to what we know about our church and about our nation and about the history of the world. We're, we have learned from other peoples. Uh, we have written word from other kingdoms. We have written word from other prophets. We have written word from biblical prophets. What we know about the past has been passed on to us uh, by men and women uh, of uh, good report. Uh, history records the existence of many uh, past great empires. We see them and we read about them in history. It's just astro absolutely astronomical to me to sit down with a history book when I was studying history in school and see how powerful these nations were. Now, we have the advantage today of so much mechanization and so much intelligence. We have built weapons that are out of this world, literally. I mean, we send satellites into outer space that have atomic weapons on them that can be targeted back to Earth, and I don't have any idea how much of this Earth could be destroyed if some idiot put his finger on the wrong button in Washington, D.C., in the Pentagon. I, I have no idea. The idea of powerful national and international weapons is not new. Back in Daniel's time, they had powerful nations with powerful weaponry, most of it man-made and man-handled. They had to, to do uh, that way. And uh, the uh, existence of these empires has been verified through history and other ways. These empires were often innovative. Uh, we have a lot of uh, very intelligent people today working in in the field of military intelligence, they come up with <laughs> what is just absolutely unbelievable when it comes to weaponry and what it'll do. Now, some of us think it's a horrible thing to think about, uh, the, the weaponry that they can develop. Um, it uh, was something what they could do. The book of Daniel uh, records Nebuchadnezzar's dream uh, about four of these nations uh, and uh, God revealed to Nebuchadnezzar uh, through Daniel uh, how things were going to uh, emerge and become for these nations. Um, besides Babylon, we see the, the Medo-Persian Empire. I don't know whether y'all remember any of this from school or not, if it's been too long for most of you except Hannah. I don't know. Uh, but we've, uh, we've had the opportunity through uh, modern history classes to look at some of these folks, the Greeks and the Romans, uh, and uh, how they mistreated and treated each other and mistreated and treated the world. Folks, these, these nations that were in power were not very nice people. Uh, think about Nazi Germany. Uh, I mean, most of us, uh, all of us, <laughs> excusing Hannah, <laughs> uh, are old enough to remember from our history what the Nazis did in the world uh, prior to World War II and during World War II, and also the Japanese. These were forces like they had back in biblical times, but they didn't have tanks and airplanes. They did everything on foot and horseback and by chariot. These were a bunch of tough guys. 
I mean, when they got a hold of you, the folks were terrified. I mean, these, these people were, were rough, and uh, they had as their goal to conquer the world. Without a doubt, this statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream uh, was something that was frightening. And it had uh, prophetic significance, and had to ha he called all his smart guys, all of the men in his entourage that were supposed to be able to tell him what his dreams meant, couldn't do that. So Daniel ended up being the man on that end of the stick. Uh, he was uh, prophetically specific, God was, about Babylon and the Medo-Persian Empire and about Greece, about Rome. Um, and, of course, we know about all of these from history, about how powerful they were. Uh, and uh, they, they were notable in the world. Uh, commented on, <laughs> commenting on, on the feet of this statue, uh, Henrietta Mears, in a history book, uh, said that they were suggesting unions attempted between incompatible partners. And that's, that's the the essence of, of what I'm going to talk to you a minute about, incompatible partners. Folks, we live in a world today where the United States of America is trying to make <laughs> partners with the devil. I don't know whether y'all have noticed that or not. We're trying to make partners with the devil. It's not a very good idea. It's not a very safe idea, and it's going to end up horribly if something doesn't change. We don't make partners with the devil but it seems like today, if you'll excuse, excuse the expression, we're hell-bent on making partners with the devil as a nation. We don't care who they are, what they do, how they live, uh, or anything else. As long as they can benefit us and, and uh, our little wants and needs, we want to make partners with them, even if they are incompatible. Uh, we live in a world that uh, has been called shrinking. It's ever shrinking, why? Because of communication. Uh, you can communicate with a country on the other side of the world in a matter of seconds, just like that. Uh, telegraph, telephone, whatever you want to do, television, it, we can communicate with people on the other side of the world immediately. We have that ability. Uh, we live in a shrinking world and uh, because of that, we seem to grow closer and closer and closer together. These movements that we saw in history about nations joining together to be more powerful as a single nation, that's still the thought of so many people. Um, I'd venture a guess, and wouldn't have to step too far out there, that the Russians would still like to uh, make a union of all of the nations in the world so they could have control of the world. The only thing that has stopped them thus far has been the coalition of the United States and, and its allies. And folks, that's teetering on the edge. If you want to know the truth, that's just teetering on the edge. Uh, we live in a very shrinking world because of technology and communication and travel. Um, people are growing closer and closer together and uh, the world is moving toward the necessity, if you will, in, in our eyes, of a one-world government and monetary system. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. These idiots 
that are on the news and in, in world reports that are for a one world money system, monetary system, and a one world government are just out to enslave us. That's all it amounts to. They want to be in charge. They want to be in control. They won't be able to tell you when to go to the bathroom or not. I mean, it, it's almost that bad. And the plans that they have, uh, they don't want us uh, to be free anymore and make our own decision. Uh, as we attempt to meld all these things together as uh, governments and economies, and they're going to try to change our culture. <laughs> now, look, we live in the South. I grew up in the South. I'm a white boy that grew up in the South. I grew up in a Delta culture in Mississippi and Clarksdale. Well, now, y'all know, because y'all live on this side of the river, what the culture in the Delta is, what it was, and what it continues to be in a lot of places. But I'm going to tell you, where I grew up, so I tell somebody stick their fingers in Hannah's ear. I, I don't think that a black person was ever referred to in front of my granddaddy that it didn't use the word of profanity that joined together with that black so-and-so. You know, I, I mean, that's just the way it was. That was the culture. That's the way black people were thought of. And I want to tell you something. Uh, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't an isolated point of view. If you went over in the black community, you got the same thing coming back toward the whites. Whites and blacks just didn't like each other. It didn't make any difference what God said. And look, the government of the United States tried to make us compatible with each other. Ain't going to happen, excuse my English, but it's not going to happen. Why? Because of all of the differences in the cultural mores and, and all of that sort of stuff of the two types of people that existed between the two of them. They just were enough differences of opinion that they couldn't get along or wouldn't get along. Now, what changed all of that? Very little has changed. But what changes that is a, is a person's relationship to the Lord. I mean, when, when God says, this is the way it ought to be, and you got a book, I, I got a pretty thin one, some of y'all got a little thicker one, but they basically say all the same, same thing. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that what it says? Excuse me, I bumped my mic. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now that's, hey, <laughs> that didn't come from headquarters. That didn't came, uh, come from up the line somewhere. It didn't come from the local factory. It didn't come from the boss. You know where it came from? It came from the throne room itself. God said, love one another. And he meant that. And we should have. And when these visions are seen uh, in the scripture and are interpreted in a way that we don't like, that's tough. God says a lot of stuff in here that I don't take very well. But tough. <laughs> if, hey, my daddy said a lot of things I didn't like too. He told me to do a lot of things, not to do a lot of things, and just graded the wrong way with me. So did my mother. 
tough. That's just the way that it is in our relationship with the Lord. We're supposed to do what God wants us to do and not be related with incompatible relationships. God doesn't want it to be that way. He calls our hand that on that. Uh, when it comes to politics and things like that, we're just absolutely crazy. When it comes to ethics, when it comes to ethics today, uh, is there any ethical value in the world anymore today? I mean, anything goes at any time now, it seems. Behavior is just it's terrible among people today. Uh, anything goes in, in most religions today. Uh, worldly kingdoms are going to emerge, according to Miss Mears, who wrote the, uh, what the Bible is all about. According to, to her, uh, the feet, the toes of iron and clay are going to be mixed, but they're not going to be together. Have y'all ever tried to, <laughs> I know you hadn't, uh, tried to mix molten iron and liquid clay together and make one piece of material? Can you do that? I mean, just what we know a little bit about metallurgy and, and things like that today, just a little bit we know. You can't take liquid clay and molten metal and make one piece of material out of it. It's not going to happen. Well, that's what the world is going to try to do is mix good and the bad. Um, the United States of America is rapidly evolving into a microcosm of this new world. We're going to show the world how to do it. Have you noticed how much of a big head we have in the United States of America? We can show y'all how to do it. We can't hardly do it ourselves, but we can show y'all how to do it. And that's what we try with everybody. We got a we have a big head in the South. You ever had a had somebody that was a friend of yours that thought they knew it all? One or two going, uh-huh. I had a friend in college from Panama City, Florida. Was it Panama City or Pensacola? Somewhere down there anyway. When I was at Mississippi State, uh, we got to be pretty good acquaintances. And he thought he was right about everything. You ever met one of those? Never wrong about nothing. I lived with one of those. Matter of fact, I lived with two of those. My mother didn't think she was ever wrong, and Daddy knew he wasn't. So, that's, and uh, we can point all the fingers we want to it at ourselves, but that's just the way it is. And sometimes our ideas are not compatible with other people's ideas. I may not get a bigger amen this week, but that's true, isn't it? Husbands and wives' ideas are different. Children's and, and parents' ideas are different. Sometimes employers' and employees' ideas are different. We just we have a tendency to disagree about things sometimes. Uh, and a lot of times it's because we have incompatible partners. We just we can't get along with that kind of person. That's why it's so important 
to find a job or a mate or anything else that we're going to have a long-term relationship with, we find one that will mesh with us and we can have that kind of a relationship. Uh, we live in a, in a world that's just absolutely shrinking. People are getting closer together all the time. Nations are getting closer together all the time. And uh, we need to learn to get along with one another. Uh, if we have a, a one-world government and one-world monetary system, Lord help us. Uh, as we uh, attempt to do that as governments uh, in economics and, and culture and stuff like that, in politics, can you imagine trying to, to mesh all the politics in the world with uh, uh, <laughs> communism and, and all of that other stuff? Uh, Meir says it appears to her uh, and perhaps to other discerning observers that the United States of America rapidly is rapidly evolving into a microcosm of this emerging new world. What does that mean? Well, how many times have you heard the melting pot? The United States referred to as the melting pot of the world. So many people believe that folks are coming from all over the world into the United States and they're bringing their cultures with them. They're adopting the cultures here that they like. And what we've got is just a jumbled up mess, if you want to know the truth. We've got a world full of people today in the United States of America that thinks everything ought to be their way. I don't know whether you notice that a lot. I married a redhead like that. She knew I was going to get around to her sooner or later. <laughs> well, she married one without any hair like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, and then that, that's the way in the world, though, when you get two different types of personalities or thoughts together at the same time, you're going to have some conflict. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the United States is rapidly involving into this type of uh, microcosm where uh, a compromised people living a bunch of different ways that are not God's ideas of the way we ought to live with the people coming from all over the world has come so many different ideologies, so many types of culture, and it makes it hard for us to get by. It's true that we have in the United States certain freedoms, freedoms guaranteed in the Constitution to us, uh, and we need to hold on to them with all of our might if we can. Uh, but we have so many people in our country today that talk about tolerance. We ought to be tolerant. And if people want to to uh, take some <laughs> shortcuts, shall we say, to the law, we ought to just overlook those little shortcuts and, and let them go on and, and do it. Uh, we, ought, we ought never overlook Christian and moral ethics. But we live in a world today, we, especially in the United States of America, where we're overlooking 
Christian and moral ethics where you don't care what other people do we don't dare criticize them if we criticize other people for the things they take part in and all of that sort of stuff then we're criticized because we're we're too harsh on other folks we ought not to be that way how many times have you heard well let's just live and let live hmm I'll bet you if you'd be honest with yourself more than once we just need to live and let live well we may need to live, but we uh, we never be afraid. We don't ever need to be afraid of standing up for what's right. Um, there are so many different religious ideologies out there, and and we don't even have to get out of the the area of Christianity. And I'm not going to delve off into that. I'm not going to get deep into that. But when I was a teenager growing up in church. <laughs> We had a pastor that used to love bad-mouth Catholics. Man, he could do a good job bad-mouthing Catholics. Well, right or wrong, people have taken part in that kind of discussion in church, around church, Sunday school classes, small groups, everything else. Not just Catholics, but have talked about different uh, religious beliefs and so on and so forth around the world. Uh, we could talk about these differences about these problems for hours. Can you imagine the, the conversation that was going on <laughs> in Daniel's time when uh, they were discussing the significance of this statue? Uh, the world today, whether we want to admit it or not, the world is a mess. We live in a world that's just hard down a mess. Uh, and it's not going to get any better. Uh, you read Matthew 24. Jesus said uh, it would get like it was in the days of Noah. God said, The Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. Hmm. Hmm. From Genesis chapter 6. And it was that way. And the world today is a mixed up mess just like that. We think that we're as hard as iron, but we're just as weak and brittle as clay on that statue's feet. We don't have anything to brag about uh, as individuals or a group of people except our Lord and our Savior. If we're going to brag about something, we need to brag about Him, and we need to brag about Him to other people and what He's done for us and so on and so forth. Uh, the uh, Lord has ensured uh, us a victory. Why? Because it's his. You and I don't have the ability physically, mentally, or emotionally to conduct the kind of war that needs to be raged against Satan and Satan's helpers and advocates. God does. Uh, he's going to take care of things. 
if you want to survive in a modern world, you need to know what's taking place around you. And folks, our world today is, we just give a wink at the world. We give a wink, we don't care anything much about what's on television or what's at the, at the movie theater or anything anymore. We just, uh, if we have, we have teenagers and, and they go to R-rated or X-rated movies, we just give ourselves a wink and let them go on. Uh, we don't, we don't get too concerned in societal issues anymore today. Uh, and uh, we could, uh, we could talk a, a long time about uh, how we need to reframe our country and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but we uh, don't have the time, certainly here. Uh, Jesus says it's going to get like it was in the days of Noah, though. Can you imagine that? God said, the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. Man. Genesis 6. The world is a, is a mess. Uh, it's a dismal place right now to live in. If you want to survive in a modern world, Mira said, you need to know what is taking place around you. You need to realize that the world is getting worse and worse regardless of worldly claims to the contrary. Yeah, we, <laughs> we think we're doing better and better, but we're getting worse and worse. Political and unsaved Christians and other religious leaders will join together to form an iron-fisted coalition that is as fragile as fired clay to rule the world. Intolerance will not be acceptable. It's among religions now. And that, it's getting that way, if not already that way. Men will get progressively more evil and more evil until God hurts, hurls the stone and brings it all to an end. Those who have trusted Jesus and remain faithful in him enduring to the end will be caught up to glory to be with him forever. When's that going to occur? Only God knows. But folks, if we want to survive, we need to realize who we are and whose we are, and we need to make sure we're standing on the right side. Uh, we, can, we can be sure that as Christians, as lovers of the Lord and Jesus Christ, that we're going to have the victory. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've always liked to be on a winning team. <laughs> I was very competitive when I was from Little League ball on up. I always wanted to win. I wanted to be on a winning team. Sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. Uh, nothing like the exhilaration from being on the winning side. Well, I want to tell you something. With Jesus Christ as ours, we're going to be on the winning side. We are on the winning side, and nobody can take it away from us. We can't lose. It's impossible. Uh, nothing, nothing stands long on a very weakened foundation. If you'll notice this description of this, the feet of this critter was a mixture of iron and clay, uh, which a very weak foundation. And when, when something was thrown down on it, the clay cracked and the, the brittle iron burst all to pieces and the thing was doomed for destruction. 
as beautiful and pretty as Babylon was, as great a nation as it was uh, in society. You know what happened to it? It fell. Uh, the, the nations back then were something. Not only was Babylon so great, uh, the Medo-Persian Empire back then rerouted the, <laughs> the Euphrates River. Can you imagine trying to do that uh, without any mechanization? They were, they were pretty smart critters. Uh, and we need to understand that uh, as Christians, we have the intelligence on our side. Jesus is on our side. Uh, we don't need to dilute. We don't need to try to emasculate, if you will, our morality, our ethics, or our conduct. We just need to be who we are, and that is Christ. We need to have a Christ worldview, and we need to have his beliefs, and we don't need to get together with incompatible partners. If, hey, how many people do we know that we associate with uh, and do it because we want to that are not the men and women of God that we ought to participate with, we ought not to socialize with? If we stopped and thought, probably more than we would like to think about. Do we allow worldly tolerance you know where, in, in my mind, where so much of the intolerance in the world comes from for us in our society today? A little box about that square called a TV. We get so much junk off the television and ingest it, and it becomes, if we're not careful, a part of our lives. We need to watch it. We need to get rid of all of the incompatible partners that we have in life. Now, I'm not talking about spouses, okay? <laughs> Don't hear that. But we need, we need to get rid of all of these incompatible partners that we have in our lives. Uh, and uh, we'd be much better off. Daniel at least thought we did. We needed to, uh, as he uh, pointed out in the Scripture. I think I'm about through. I ought to be about through. It's time to quit, isn't it? Any of y'all got any comments or questions about this stuff? Everybody go, on, go home and watch a football game or something today. <laughs> it's not football season, is it? It's baseball season now. There's always something to distract us. Have you noticed that? Satan is going to put something in our way to get our minds off the Lord. Whatever he can do, he'll do. It's up to us to put our minds on the straight and narrow. Not any other comments or questions? Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Huh? Let's stand. If Kitty wants to go to the piano, we'll have an invitation. You can come lead. I'm late.
if y'all need anything, you go up front or you can come see me. I'll be standing right back here. You're going to bypass me. You're going over there. 